never managed to not be doing one of these, but here we are, the season finale of season two. Thanks for joining us. My name's Unqua Sonia. I'm back in my bag again. For the final episode this season, I had to bring it back to basics, and I had to bring in somebody that if you don't know his name by now, you're definitely going to. He is a veteran sports writer. His profile grows by the day. And if you've heard Lakers rumors or other rumors, his name is usually in the middle of it. And contrary to quote-unquote popular belief, he's usually right on the money. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Brandon Scoop B. Robinson. Brandon, thanks for coming in, man. How are you? Man, I'm good. You made my Snapchat look great as you heard it. In the oh, it's lit. <laughs> <laughs> and for all the Snapchat followers, it's going out on Friday. So, boom, there feel free go. to repost. There you go. There you go. So, we were talking on the way here. It's been a really busy year for you so far. I feel like when people look at those who operate in the media on a big scale, they don't really take into account how much one hits the road. What's been the first six months been like for you? Uh, so, we're in May. Uh, <clears throat> Ooh, five months. Eesh, my math well, sucks. five, six. I mean, I, I turn uh, blah, 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 age on uh, next Tuesday. So. <laughs> I'm so mad he said blah, 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 age. Um, the age is wonder. No, but no. I, th- th- I'm trying to think. So, I'm trying to take it back January. So, January, I was in Ohio, uh, Ohio University. Um, in February, I was in Charlotte for All-Star Weekend. March... I was in somewhere, April, <laughs> I was in Chicago, um, May, I was I was at the White House the other day in mm. D.C., um, so I mean, I, I've been I've been running, but I mean, the good thing about it is more more than anything, I have a good team around me. Uh, for those who are listening, uh, I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson, I host the Scoopy Radio Podcast, I'm a, a contributor to Heavy.com, and I'm a senior writer at Basketball Society Online, and uh, I've been bringing a lot of stories, and I have a good team around me. My podcast last year got 3.5 million streams uh, on all platforms, but the news-breaking stuff has kind of been something that has been a thing since, uh, I want to say, June of last year with the whole LeBron Space Jam and, mm-hmm. and, and LeBron Lakers stuff. And it's been it's been crazy, but, you know, it, it's, it's uh, you know, I've got notice from my team that, you know, people are trying to hack into ScoopyRadio.com now. Oh, gosh. Uh, so, it's, you know, it's it's just, you know, as as I'm continuing to rise, just, you know, new levels. new. I'm in the church right now. But new, level, <laughs> new levels, new new devils. No, we're literally at my church for those who are listening. We're taking <laughs> this podcast at my church at a secret location. But, no, I mean, yeah, new levels, new devils. And, you know, we're grinding. Absolutely. Now, can you tell us a little bit about how you juggle so many hats, you know, and especially in today's landscape, you're doing one thing, then another thing, which leads to another thing. So how do you manage to keep your calendar straight, keep your 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 priorities in order, all that sort of stuff? Um, prayer. Um, <laughs> That's real. Really and truly prayer. Um, I'll say that um, it's really, this is just a dress rehearsal from what I used to do as a kid. Um, I'm not new. Uh, I started in the business at 12. I had a radio show with the Nets when I was a kid. And, mm-hmm. you know, growing up, you know, you had choir rehearsal on Fridays. You had public speaking groups on Mondays. You had school. Um, you had swimming. You had this. You had that. So, I mean, it really, it's, it's you know, it, I, it reminds me of game day as a kid during the, my Nets days. You know, you come home, you change your clothes, stop at the cleaners, change your clothes, head to the arena, prepare questions in the car on the way to the arena. Um, but I think, you know, the biggest difference now is, like, having a team. I told you I started as a kid. My baby sister was two um when i started uh in 97 and um actually she was one mm-hmm. and uh, i went from holding her in the press room while my mom was driving me to now she's transcribing interviews for the podcast wow and um you know i have you know manny dj manny l who produces the you know the podcast i'm recording audios from home one of the best things is working from home a lot unless i'm on location so mm-hmm. i'm recording the interview sending to him we're cutting it up then you say, I have interns, so you're sending stuff to interns. Um, and then, you know, you have photographers, uh, Eric Salvary, calligraphist, Angie. Uh, you know, you have a team of other guys that help me with, you know, day-to-day stuff. You know, my, my little cousin, he has to go to the prom tomorrow. So, you know, one of the joys is, you know, being able to stop what I'm doing, head over to where, you know, we get the suits and everything from, make sure he's taken care of. So it's really time management is important, but it's, it's, it's great when you, you set up home base in your apartment. Tell us a little bit about what it means to you to go from hosting that show as a kid 
to now like being a full grown adult. Do you run into media members that like refer to those days when they talk to you? They either refer or they hate. <laughs> <laughs> um, been dealing with a lot of that this year. You know, you're dealing with forty somethings who who will say or look at you like, you know, who the hell do you think you are? And um, I think that my journey has been different because um, I come from it from come at it from a, from an entrepreneurial perspective. Um, even before I stepped foot in an NBA locker room, uh, I was a kid at six years old who ran a cash register. Uh, my family owned uh, two successful businesses, shoe businesses in Harlem, on 25th and Lennox, old Harlem, not new Harlem. Okay. Um, and for those who are familiar with Harlem, the building in which the, the Whole Foods is, oh, we owned that building. Wow. Uh, we owned it um, years ago. My grandfather's history in and of itself is a, is a walking testimony and a miracle. Um, in the sense of, you know, uh, grew up in Florida, poor, uh, wanted a better life. Shoe shine stand owner, or rather, before you even owned a shoe shine stand, was shining shoes at Grand Central Station. Uh, you know, shining people's shoes that were coming in and out the train, and then you know, saved his money, opened a shoe shine stand, and then opened a shoe store. Um, and so, you know, that work ethic I learned from you know my my, my family. Um, you know, my my grandfather did pa- pass away, but you know, my uncle. Uh, took over as well as my late grandmother. My my late grandmother uh, worked days. We owned a shoe store and a sneaker store. Worked sh- days at the shoe store and sneaker store, and then at night she was a nurse at Rikers Island. Wow. Um, so I mean, I grew up watching people, you know, grind, and that's just on my mom's side. Uh, on my dad's side, my biological father was entrepreneurial, um, owned his own marketing business. But then in addition to that, he and my grandmother uh, owned a soul food restaurant in Jersey City, New Jersey. So. You know, approaching journalism from an entrepreneurial perspective is a bit different and similar in the sense of, you know, you you go into a store and, you know, you 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 are selling an experience. You know, how you treat people will will dictate whether people will come back to you. And, um, you know, for me, it's 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 kind of cool, you know, at a time when, you know, in the digital space, you know, I finished grad school at Hofstra in 2011. And, uh, you know, the digital space and, and job cutting and the recession, you know, I, I, I saw how brands were, you know, and partnerships with brands mm-hmm. was a wave. And, uh, you know, digging back into the archives of watching, you know, um, the stock room in the, sto- in the sneaker store mm-hmm. or watching just various things. And even the synergy of, of athletes or celebrities coming into the sneaker store uh, or shoe store. Um, those those relationships and that that feel that I had is what I applied into creating, you know, Scoop B Radio, and so that's where we are now. As far as Scoop B Radio goes, you've had guests that run the gamut. You don't just have athletes; you have entertainers, people from all walks of life. Where did that brainchild even start? A Timberland shoebox. Tell us more. Um, when I started with the Nets as a kid, I had a ton of like after every episode of a show, we would like they would give me tapes of. Uh, the episodes are just tapes of um, interviews that I did. So, like, you know, when I was at CBS um, for about a year and some change, we, me and my team, we we strategized. We basically, you know, concurrently ran, started Scoopy Radio while uh, we, we were at CBS. And so, basically, uh, I had a sneaker box with old interviews with, like, Kendall Gill, Jason Williams, B.J. Armstrong, uh, J.R. Reed, um, just a, a, a Dikembe Mutombo, a bunch of people. And basically, we just started digitizing those tapes. Mm. And we did it through Podomatic at first. And then what ended up happening was I got a call from uh, former NBA player Tim Thomas. And he told me this story about, or rather, there was a Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN. I uh, did an interview with Kenyon Martin uh, on the Woj Pod. And basically, Kenyon was talking about that fight that he and Tim Thomas got in in 04 oh, in the playoffs. Yeah. And then he worked out to Tim about it. And I remember I was taking the train home, and he texted me. Tim was like, yo, call me. So I called him. He goes, yo, I'm trying to knock this interview out with you. So what ended up happening was I recorded an interview. I had this app on my phone where I can record interviews, and he went ham. <laughs> so what ended up happening was, again, using the CBS platform, which I'm you know thankful for, ended up writing the recap on um, – CBS, either CBS Sports Radio, CBS Local Sports, mm-hmm. and embedded the Podomatic podcast or the Podomatic link. Um, and the funny thing is, um, a couple of a couple of sites ran it, picked it up, and one of them was uh, Jason McIntyre when he was Whoa. at the big league. That's right, Yahoo, yeah. 
Yeah, and mm-hmm. so what happened was um, Jason ran it, and then what ha- the reason why it initiated was because when I tweeted it, Bomani Jones quote tweeted and goes, "Whoa!" So then everybody started paying attention to it <laughs> because I've known Bomani, I've known Bomani for about more than ten years. Wow! And so Bomani saw my tweet, quote tweeted it, and then that made that work. And so then it, what, it, what ended up happening was me and my team sat back and was like, "Yo." Um, we got to own our own domain name and our own site so we get those clicks. And then what ended up happening was that whole Kenyan thing ran back with, with Tim Thomas. I actually ran into Kenyon and I told him that was me. He goes, yo, that was you. And we talked about some things. This was during the big three. Mm-hmm. When everybody left the rock locker room, it was me, him, my photographer, and Al Harrington. And we wow. talked about it. And basically, Kenyon said, yeah, I'll go on my podcast. And Kenyon ended up saying some things, and it went back and forth. And, mm-hmm. and I don't talk about it anymore as far as them back and forth. We talk about other things now. But um, that whole Tim Thomas interview spurred the whole Scoopy Rail thing. I left CBS uh, fall of 2016 and basically ran Scoopy Radio the same way. Uh, you know, slid into a position as a managing editor and columnist at Respect Magazine and was writing about all of my interviews on, on Respect Magazine and then they would get picked up. So the big thing that happened was uh, Kenny the Jet Smith um, discussing the, had Michael not retired, the Bulls would not have won those two championships at the Rockets run. That hit ESPN mm. the jump and a myriad of other places. So really, I learned a lot of the tricks of the trade at CBS, learned headlines, learned you know timing. And, and the thing that I've had, again, is the user experience, the relationships. The relationship with Kenny Smith that I have dates back to you know my late uncle, uh, one of my uncles, uh, Billy Rawls, who who ran a, a basketball league in Harlem called City, Citywide, mm-hmm. and anybody who was anybody that came out of the NBA from the city, they all knew Billy. And so, you know, guys like Mark Jackson, um, uh, Bernard King, Stephon Marbury, they all, even as a kid, they knew they knew who my uncle was. So that was the cheat code, the city hoops angle. But at the same time, you know, me just being myself, and I just continued to grow as an individual. But the Scoopy Radio brand really came and went or came, hasn't left, mm-hmm. uh, just through the relationships uh, that I've maintained to this day. Now, you've done, I think, along that along that, that route, I think you've also done a really good job of just standing behind your words, you know, especially in this day and age where people can hide behind a computer and say whatever they want to. I mean, how, how we don't see a lot of people who at least confront them or actually actively deal with that. You've done that a bit on your IG, on Twitter. How do you deal with some of the pushback you might get? I'm a smart ass. <laughs> um, but I, but I, but I also think that, um, to whom misgiving that much is required. Um, I'll say that I've kind of toned back some just because it's not productive and it's not mm-hmm. a matter of me getting the last word, but it's it's the optics. Like you can't respond to everything and sometimes people take it too far and I realize that there are kids who look up to me. I have family who depend on me. I have, you know, you, you, you know, you could speak, but you, you're never – you can't. What you say could impact somebody else, and you just and I leave it like that. You just got to be careful what you say to people because everybody doesn't have thick skin. And I think that um, it was funny early on, but it's kind of like okay, I've proven myself that I can b- break certain stories or I can get certain interviews. And people, you make other people shine more by responding than than you looking like a, a funny person in responding. So you got to kind of pick and choose your your, your battles with people. That's real. Looking at just today's landscape in general, last night was a crazy game. And the funny thing is I texted my friend right before the game went to OT. I said the Blazers are going to go and blow a double-digit lead for the third game in a row. Did they ever – I feel like if they were fully healthy, they would have had the chance to steal one game. But to see them blow three straight leads like that, I I, I don't know. Like To me, that's kind of wild. You know the the Blazers are in a in a, in a great situation uh, because nobody expected them to be there. Uh, they they were literally uh, for those who know Chris or like Chris Rock like that. He they were literally Maze Gilliam and head of state. They weren't <laughs> expected to win, but for those who may not be familiar with that reference, um, they were definitely the David to the Warriors Goliath, or m- more contemporarily the Rocky Balboa to their Apollo Creed. Mm-hmm. And I think that. You know, they shouldn't put their heads down because they lost legitimately. Nobody was expecting them to be in that position. 
I mean, when you look at the NBA's Western Conference, many people thought that the Western Conference finals would have been the Los Angeles Lakers and the Golden State Warriors. And, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about the Lakers a lot more. But oh, yeah. <laughs> but I, what I'll say to you is that um, the, the Portland Trailblazers, you know, going into this season, I, I've been interviewed on a few shows about the, the Blazers going into this season. I legitimately thought that they would have been a, a, a top six seed. And, you know, from the first game of the season when the Blazers played the Los Angeles Lakers, there was just this focus and this hunger that they've had that that's never wavered. I mean, you you see obviously uh, Damian Lillard and and and, and CJ McCollum get a lot of attention, but what people don't talk about is as is, is uh, Myers Leonard. Uh, you 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 look at guys in as Cantor who was a late addition. Um, you look at Evan Turner, uh, just a team that has grown immensely over the last three four years that just couldn't get over that hump that hump. And I think that what really gave them the motivation was Charles Barkley singing their praises. And mm-hmm. you know I spoke to Charles about a month ago. Um, uh, and, and we were just talking about why he thought that, um, you know, the Blazers were so hot. And, and he said to me, it's just the fact that there's just a cohesive gelling unit, uh, even with Nurkic being out and uh, to, to injury. Um, you know, the Blazers really exceeded all expectations. So if I'm a Blazers fan or if I'm just the Blazers, I would be disappointed at all because they really, really played well. Um, but I think they're like a superstar away from something great, even not necessarily a superstar like – I really think that if Carmelo Anthony went to the Blazers, they would have they would have at least taken uh, the the Warriors to six games. Mm-hmm. That's definitely fair. Looking at the Eastern Conference, it's been a lot of fun just watching all these teams dog it out, and I'm pretty sure everyone is just assuming that the Warriors are going to do to whoever wins the East with what they did with the Blazers, which I think is misguided too. Mm-hmm. But this this finals between at least the conference finals between. Kawhi and Toronto and Giannis, it's it's insane to me. I oh, mean, yeah. especially because Kawhi, people are so convinced that he's going to leave, but I don't think he's going to leave, to be honest with you. Uh, I had Rick Buecher uh, of, of uh, Bleach Report and mm-hmm. Fox Sports 1 on the Scoopy Radio podcast, and he told me that you know even if, if the, the Raptors do win the finals, that Kawhi Leonard is leaving. Wow. Um, and so, but to answer your, to, that, that's his opinion. Um, I think that Paul George uh, and the Oklahoma City Thunder are a case study in uh, certain teams being who with players who are considered rentals, you know, swaying their opinion. Um, you know, Chris Broussard reported a couple of days ago, um, that, you know, that the Brooklyn Nets have interest in uh, Anthony Davis, something that I, I was tweeting about on January 31st. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I'll share with you is um, suppose that the Nets do get Anthony Davis They'd have to do a lot of swaying and convincing, uh, particularly if, you know, he brings Kyrie Irving with him. And so, you know, to go back to the to your question specifically about uh, Kawhi Leonard, uh, many people thought that the trade uh, that brought Kawhi Leonard from the Spurs to the to the Toronto Raptors uh, would signal uh, that, you know, LeBron James leaving the NBA's Eastern Conference would be a, 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 a no-conflict trail to the NBA Finals, and uh, I think the Milwaukee Bucks ha- have had something to say about that. But the funny thing about the Milwaukee Bucks is this: when you look at the Milwaukee Bucks, I thought they had it last season. Uh, I, I mean, when you look at just not just Giannis Antetokounmpo, but the supporting cast that he has, and Eric Bledsoe, uh, George Hill. Uh, George Hill obviously wasn't on that team last year; uh, came from Cleveland. Uh, but when you look at you know just who they had on their team, you just saw this cohesive unit, this gelling, similar to the gelling that the Portland Trailblazers have had just guys sticking in you know and and, and locking in um and, and when you look at the 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 the, the um Milwaukee Bucks, they added some pieces. They added Brooke Lopez. Mm-hmm. They added Miritich. They added, you know, George Hill and all those other guys. And and, and Mike Budenholzer slides in midseason last year after the firing of Jason Kidd and, you know, has guided that team, a guy that's a disciple of, you know, the Greg Popovich coaching tree, et cetera. But um, I, I really like this this um, Milwaukee Bucks team because there's just something pure about them, something pure. They want to see themselves do well. And, and I think the, the, the happiest I am is for a guy in one – uh, Brooke Lopez, who, who came, who I covered uh, uh, the first couple years in Brooklyn, um, and you know, one thing that I think he's established is a, is a 15 to 16 to 17 to 18 footer uh, that's been fluid and wet, and uh, you saw it in in a recent game in the playoffs where he really went off, you know, and, and was able to compliment Giannis. I don't think that Kawhi Leonard has has as as potent a supporting cast as 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 uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, mm. but but at the same time. Um, I like the product that they have in their starting five on the floor. 
Like, if I had to compare supporting casts, I feel like Philly and Milwaukee have the best supporting cast. I give you that. But Milwaukee just is more fluid and more consistent. I, I'll give you that for sure. The thing that kind of weirded me out about Philadelphia in general, I felt like they didn't know who their number one option was until it was too late. Because you, ha- you have Butler take the ball on the wing, but when I've seen them play, I think Embiid is really their number one, and I think he makes everything go. But it took them a while to figure that out. It's funny. I have Philadelphia 76ers. Show. <laughs> but, um, no, nah, I mean, when you, when you, when you look at uh, the 76ers, I think the issue that the Sixers have is um, I think Jimmy Butler is in a better position in Philadelphia than he was in Milwaukee. Oh, excuse me, and with Minnesota, hundred percent. Because I think that just you, Joel Embiid and, and and Ben Simmons are a lot more mature, and they're also in an East Coast market, um, and an East Coast market that demands a lot. You know, in a way that fans are different than New York fans. It's very true. Um, I, I lived in the Philadelphia area for five years while I was in undergrad at Eastern University, and uh, there's a passion that that Seventy Sixers and fans who are also Eagles fans have that you don't really find here in New York City. Um, you don't find. Um, I think that the that the Knicks, for example, have been kind of just out of the loop for so long. There's a there's a loyalty that they have, but there's a disconnect mm-hmm. versus Sixers fans. The win or lose. There's, they're 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 with you. Um, I think New York is like a, a combination of, um, of 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 L.A., Miami, and New York in one, mm. with a with a with a, a '90s affinity. You know the era of Ewing, the era of Starks, Oakley, Charles Smith, but early Ellen Houston. Ballard, well, yeah, early, earlier. Right, right. But I I think when you look at Philadelphia, to go back to your initial question, I, I feel like. You know, I I think you have to figure out whose team it is. But bigger than that, I think that there is a three-headed monster. Like, if Jimmy leaves, does that mean to does that mean Tobias is going to stay? No. You know, so you're kind of back at square one. You know, Ben Simmons is he going to work on his jumper? That's been a thing. But you know, I, I feel like people make a lot about that jumper. Uh, I think that when you look at them in the, the Sixers, particularly in the playoffs, there was a lot of times Ben Simmons played off the ball. And was 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 and he was efficient in the post with with Jimmy directing traffic. So if you're in Philadelphia, you keep them together. It sounds like it sounds like it. But I, I mean, I had Chris Broussard on the Scoopy Radio podcast earlier this year, and you know he shared with me. He said, "Looks, listen, if the if the Sixers offer Jimmy Butler a hundred ninety million dollar contract, he's staying." Okay. You know, I think that he's in a good situation where as he's getting older, he has young guys that he can blend with because he's not going to always be that guy every game. But I remember when Jimmy first came to Philly, like, he was on, early on. He was consistent. He's been hurt off and on, but he's been on. When he's on, he's on. It was so weird that that whole saga with him in Minnesota and people, particularly Colin Coward, were one of the first to say, oh, he's doing it because he wants to be the man somewhere else because he wants to always be on the ball. And I didn't quite agree with, you know, his characterization of that, but what do you make of this age where it seems like everybody wants to be the number one option? I think it's the sign of the times. Um, I think that often uh, people look to Jimmy as if he's quote unquote not elite, and I feel like those elite characterizations sometimes can be um, misleading. And I'll use this example. Uh, you look at the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Everybody was drunk off the Tom Brady Kool-Aid beating the Philadelphia Eagles. And it took Nick Foles uh, and, and, and and a couple other guys on that Eagles team uh, to show the America that, you know, it doesn't always have to be, you know, white jersey with no stains on it. Sometimes right. you got to get down and dirty. Mm-hmm. And um I think that uh, Rock Bottom, I tweeted this the other day, Rock Bottom has, has shown true character more than privilege ever will. And I think when you look at the situation with um, when you look at the situation with the uh, with 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 Jimmy Butler, I think Jimmy Butler um, is a guy that you want a guy that's going to be rah-rah and bring it every night. I don't necessarily think it's fair to always look at um, players uh, who have to just be, you know, clean all the time and, 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 and think that those guys just have to shut up and play basketball. I think when you look at 
Um, when you when you look at uh, what the Philadelphia 76ers did this year, they actually exceeded expectations to get to the second round to, to many people who going into the season, people had questions just about what they were they were capable of doing. Brett Brown uh, and his coaching uh, tenure will be interesting next year. I think next year is going to be a crucial year, and you will see what happens. But I also have to take my hat off to Elton Brand uh, for being able to construct a trade to get Jimmy Butler. I mean, I, I'll tell you that, you know, Jamal Crawford was, 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 was a guy that wanted to come to Philadelphia and it just didn't happen uh, for a myriad of reasons. But, you know, I, I definitely think that the 76ers have more in their tank, um, particularly leading into the summer. Who wouldn't want to build – who wouldn't want to build around a point guard and a big man? It's a fact. You know, I don't necessarily think you have to name who's the, the, the focal point of the team. Why can't a collection of brothers come in and just be, be, be um, efficient and do what they need to do? And it's part of the reason why the Warriors have been so successful because all three of those guys – I would even argue Draymond could be the focal player without being the number one offensive option. I feel like those four guys could run the show on any other team, but have those four together is is unreal. Like last night was incredible what they did. And they did it without KD, and they did it without uh, DeMarcus Cousins. Oh, yeah. How impressive is that? I mean, I, I've we haven't even mentioned – at least I haven't even mentioned DeMarcus Cousins because he hasn't been around since – the first round of the playoffs. So even if you look at the, we're going to go, trust me, we are going to get to that other West coast team, but the Warriors in particular, I mean, they're playing with house money anyway. When it comes to KD, obviously they make a pitch and they're all, they're also in pretty good shape if they leave. But if you're the Warriors, at least from whom, whom you've been speaking with, do you at least, do you try and make Another team beat your number, or do you try to get KD to buy in, or have you already come to the conclusion that he's leaving? I think the I think the Warriors uh, are the best option for him currently because you know they have the chance to actually you know close out their last season winning a championship at Oracle Arena mm-hmm. and moving into a new stadium. Um, you know Stephen A. Smith uh, had reported last summer you know LeBron had reached out to KD and um you know asked if uh, the Lakers was something you know he would consider and uh you know publicly KD has said you know I didn't speak to LeBron um that's that's an eye roll in there folks okay so (laughs) um what I'll what I'll share with you is um I think that the Warriors have the best pitch because KD has won multiple championships and MVPs after leaving Oklahoma City situation, uh, where in my opinion that was more toxic than the Lakers comment or or Lakers uh, characterization that 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 KD gave uh, applied, uh, and so you know I think that when you look at uh, Kevin Durant and and the, and the Warriors I mean you you don't have to pitch a Mercedes or or a Maybach to you know a consumer they know what it is um you know the Knicks obviously are a team that has been talked about at great length uh as far as Kevin Durant is concerned and you know they can sell Gotham for a myriad of reasons you know you look at Kawhi Leonard and his situation with the Toronto Raptors he literally came to Toronto um and and you know, took that team to the conference finals. And when you look at KD and the Knicks, it's plausible he could do the same thing depending on, you know, what is on paper. I've gone on record and, and said that the Los Angeles Lakers uh, was a team of interest for, you know, Kevin Durant and, you know, have heard a myriad of things within the last mm, two days just about the questions that the Lakers have concerning uh, injuries and uh, concerning, you know, that injury that he sustained in the, in the playoffs, whether it's, more, you know, more serious, kind of a situation like LeBron in the groin, right. more serious than, than was being reported. And you even saw that with, you know, Paul George, uh, as I reported, that there was a rotator cuff tear uh, in March. And uh, so, you know, these injuries, a lot of these teams are now, you know, being real tight-lipped about things of that right. sort. So, you know, things change. You know, LeBron and, and KD's injuries this season are case study on, you know, PR and how much is being reported. Um, so, you know, based off the information that I've sh- I've been told, uh, I can tell you that, you know, that the Lakers have some apprehension about Kevin Durant. Okay. Speaking of the Lakers, it's been an interesting year in 
the bright lights, big cities on the West Coast. What's your overall takeaway of this season? I mean, obviously they were they were picked even to win upwards of fifty games this year. Um, <laughs> that was another eye roll in there, folks. If you if you were to grade the season for them, I wouldn't imagine be any higher than a B. If that, what would you grade them? A D. Oof, sounds pretty accurate to me. Yeah. Um, and I think it it really started with uh, the, the the groin injury on Christmas Day, um, you know. And to be honest with you, the construction of that team in the off season. I mean, you 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 added Lance Stevenson, you added uh, Rajon Rondo, you added Michael Beasley, and then you got rid of Michael Beasley. And um, you know there were some questions about that. But the one thing that I really was impressed with, and he doesn't play on this team anymore, was. Uh, the improvement, or at least the world paying attention to one Ivica Zubak, who's now a member mm-hmm. of the Los Angeles Clippers. And, you know, he really caught my attention. Croatian seven-footer uh, on Christmas Day. He really held it down after LeBron was carried off the floor on Christmas and, you know, unfortunately, you know, was moved uh, down, the, down the hall to, <laughs> to the Los Angeles. I've always wanted to say that. But, yeah, <laughs> um, down the hall to the last say it again, the Los Angeles Clippers. And, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, when you look at the Lakers this season, LeBron thing changed the trajectory. Uh, but so did the Anthony Davis um, trade rumors. Uh, you know, I, I can tell you just the, that ended up, you know, making Dell Demps the fall guy and mm-hmm. uh, ultimately uh, cost – Magic Johnson leaving on the Lakers side, Del Demps being fired, uh, and having to bring up Danny Ferry's name again um, oh, yeah, yeah, as yeah. A, as the acting uh, person in charge over there in in, in um, New Orleans. Now David Griffin is in charge over there. But you know when you look at that Anthony Davis situation, uh, there's a lot of just back and forth in, in the Lakers front office. Um, Rob Palenka and Magic Johnson were not on the same page. Uh, and, you know, LeBron James does feel stuck. And I, I'll share with you that, you know, there were talks within the organization of, you know, potentially trading uh, LeBron James. Um, you know, Stephen A. Smith kind of hit it on the head like a couple of weeks ago. And I, and I replied on Twitter that he's not lying. You know, I was hearing names like the Denver Nuggets. I was hearing, you know, things of the sort where, you know, the Lakers were considering trying to find a way to ship him to Cleveland. You know, I had oh, heard geez. things of, of that sort as well. So, you know, that, that Lakers organization, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, Jason Kidd is in there as an assistant coach. But, you know, Magic and Jason have been talking since November. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing you post about that as well because you had always said that his name was in the carousel to replace Luke Walton because Luke Walton wasn't going to make it past this yeah, it was year. It was Jason Kidd and, and, and Mark Jackson. So how did Jason Kidd end up being the associate head coach instead of being the head coach? Uh, from people that I spoke with, I mean, without I, I, this is what I'll say. Uh, Ramona Shelburne, who w- was a guest on Scoopy Radio as well, did <laughs> um, did share on television uh, that you know issues of domestic violence years ago mm. um, were, were were definitely brought up in conversation uh, within you know Lakers brass, but. Uh, it happened 20 years ago, and there are still people who who are upset about it. And uh, it's some there are some who subscribe to the theory that you know Frank Vogel, who is the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, is on a trial run, and that Jason Kidd will eventually become the head coach, and that's what the Lakers really want. Um, but you know, Jason Kidd became an associate or assistant head lead assistant head coach uh, because he really impressed the Lakers. Uh, in his interview session, many people scoffed at the idea that Jason Kidd would be would would become the head coach, but that was Magic Johnson's guy, mm-hmm. you know. With Magic leaving as team president, that shifted some things, but that did not take um, Jason Kidd off the mind of uh, Rob Palenka, general manager of the Los Angeles Lakers, and you know Jason Kidd is the assistant coach, and you know there are some other people who are that I am hearing are, are going to fill up, um, you know that 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 uh coaching spot those coaching spots within the lakers uh and um but jason kidd had to come in as an assistant and um that was under uh phil jackson's phil jackson's uh, direction as well as uh um clark kent (laughs) it's so interesting because when it comes to the lakers you hear all these different voices um, even way back when, when Jeannie Buss assumed control of the Lakers, was because of a conversation with Kobe Bryant. We heard the Rambuses being involved in the coaching searches and keeping Luke Walton. There are a lot of voices around the, the Lakers' management right now. 
what's the fallout going to be as the off season's just around the corner? Well, you got to take this into consideration, and I, and it actually makes sense to me from a from a family business perspective. Uh, Magic Johnson said this on First Take the other day. Um, you look at the uh, Bus family. Jeannie is the you know the chief operating officer, and then you know she's got to answer to a board of people. There are a lot of people within the bus organization that are next that want their spot and magic did not have the last say. And so because there are people who want that spot, you got the family dynamic of people arguing. And then you have the Rambuses who are trusted family friends who are in, uh, elected official positions or unofficial positions within the Los Angeles Lakers brain trust uh, and Kurt Rambis and Linda Rambis, his wife. Uh, and then you have Phil Jackson who, you know, was engaged to Jeannie Buss, who Jeannie and, and Phil are obviously still close and she trusts his opinion. Uh, but it seems like the Lakers have become Nick's West. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'll, I just think that when you look at um, that Lakers organization, uh, there were a lot of high expectations, particularly with LeBron's arrival, um, and I also think that the other thing that that kind of um, is interesting is when you look at the Lakers, um, you look at professional sports, the Yankees, the Lakers, the Dallas Cowboys. There's just this tradition mm-hmm. of just um, excellence. And, you know, to, to maintain that level of excellence, um, take sacrifice. You know, they have the money, but people got to want to come there. And so when you look at the New York Knicks, for example, you know, you look at the Dolan situation. There's players who, you know, were kind of ticked off by comments that Phil Jackson made about the posse with 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 oh, Carmelo man. Anthony. And then, you know, you, you look at Phil Jackson who who made the comments. And then, you know, there's things that people have said about the Dolans in the past as it relates to just his control, et cetera. Then now you look at the Lakers organization. It's like this dictatorship. It's like who is the voice? Who is the person who makes the last decisions? Who do you trust? And I'm going to tell you something. I look at Rob Palenka in the long term, I see Jeannie Buss trusting him. Wow. If she hasn't already. You know, and the other thing is with somebody like Frank Vogel, he's Frank Vogel, um, he's going to do what he's told. Mm-hmm. Somebody like Ty Lue, he won a championship and he knows his worth. Frank Vogel, this is a, a chance of a lifetime. You went from coaching the Pacers to the Orlando Magic to sitting out a year to now being the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. That's a come up. That's a crazy come up when you think about it. Oof, that's a testimony in itself. But back, back to back to regular life. It's very interesting because if we can go to baseball quite briefly, just like uh, Rob Palenka, Brody Van Wagner went from being an agent to being the GM of a team. A lot of conflicting interests there. Um, we'll we'll touch the Mets if we can. Very briefly and definitely toward the end, but for somebody like Rob Palenka who didn't have great relationships with other agents either, what do you think are some of the the hangups that really came with this being his first year's GM? Well, I think when you look at Rob Palenka, he didn't necessarily have relationships, great relationships with other agents, but because you're a former agent, you have relationships with general managers, team presidents, and more, which means what? You have the ability to make trades. You have the ability to know the inner workings of everything. Um, but when, and I think Rob Palenka, when you look at his situation, I mean, he played in the Fab Five with Jalen, you know, uh, Chris Webber and, and Jawan Howard. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he has some credibility to people in that regard. But I also think, um, so I, I use this example often. I, I went to, uh, Michael Jordan's party uh, at All-Star Weekend. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it was a room full of everybody. You name it, they were there. Um, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Fat Joe, Fabulous, um, uh, Grant Hill, Mark Cuban, um, uh, Nikola Vucevic, um, Elton Brand, Stephen A. Smith. Wow. And so these these parties, while they're, you know, obviously you can get your eat and your drink on the food was amazing. You're using those opportunities to build relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I, on a personal note, um, Elton Brand knew who I was from my tweets. <laughs> and, you know, we, we had a private conversation. We exchanged contact info and we've been in touch. Um, but those parties are a lot of those parties, at least before the trading when the trading deadline was after All-Star Weekend. Uh, people were, were constructing trades at those parties. Of course. 
So when I looked in that room and I saw Rob Palenka, he who was there, I look in the room, he's talking to Mark Cuban. He's talking to Grant Hill. He's talking to Dirk Nowitzki. Okay, so that means he must have a relationship with the people that are connected to Dallas. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you don't know him, you they know who you are by, by face and more. I talked to Rob Palenka, you know, and I said to him, you know, I'm sorry that things didn't go your way. You know, I, I hope that, you know, things do continue to or start to move in a certain direction. Um, but when you he may not have relationships with other agents, but he obviously knows who are the power players with other teams. I just named two team executives, Elton Brand, 76ers, uh, Mark Cuban, owner of of the Dallas Mavericks. So, you know, I, I think when you there were there were talks about just um, Rob Palenka and Magic Johnson's inability to get anything done with the Pelicans. I can tell you that in theory, the trade was 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 complete. Oh, but the thing is, but the but but the the trade between the Lakers and um, the Pelicans was there was a completed agreement in principle. But Dell Demps has to walk that to the brain trust of the Pelicans, the Benson family versus Magic. He could say he he had exactly. So, you know, you're, you're looking at a situation now. Okay, Rob Palenka. Now Magic Johnson's not here. How do I, you know, make make those things happen? That that's going to be interesting, because if you're seeing Magic Johnson on first take discrediting Rob Palenka in an interview, you can probably best and believe that they're going to be teams or the organizations that are going to look at him and like, can I trust him? Mm-hmm. Those are the things you wonder. I didn't expect Magic to be as candid as he was. Magic Johnson was more candid on first take than Kyrie Irving was on first take. That's a fact. It's a whole fact. And then going, I want to go back to their dynamic very, very quickly. It very much seems like even if Palenka builds it, Magic is your closer. Mm-hmm. So now if Palenka is by himself, are the Lakers in a position where they let Palenka be, act as his own closer, start and finish? Or do they make the call to somebody like a Kobe Bryant even to come in and try it? It's possible. But, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because I think that the Lakers actually have a good infrastructure if you think about it, right? Let me hear So you hire Jason Kidd as an assistant coach. Jason Kidd has played basketball games. He's played in the Olympics with LeBron. He knows KD. Um, He knows Giannis because he coached him, right? Okay. Rob Palenka, we know what he can do, or we know that the, the, him as the general manager, what he's ca- what, what he's capable of doing. But then Magic Johnson leaves as team president, and Magic Johnson is Magic Johnson. I'm more scared of Magic Johnson as the independent contractor than I am as Magic Johnson as the team president. Hmm. Because of the damage that he can do? Or because of just that's untraceable, persona. because Magic Johnson is now Magic Johnson, Los Angeles Lakers Hall of Famer Magic Johnson, not Team President Magic Johnson. Which means his words carry more weight. They carry more weight, and he can do things and make things happen. I think Magic Johnson at this stage of the game is more effective as Magic Johnson, the Hall of Famer and the figurehead, than he is Magic Johnson, the Team President. And I also just think that sometimes. Um, Mainstream America has a problem with an unspoken or for an outspoken black man in Magic Johnson who owns his own businesses and doesn't need the, the doesn't need the team. The team needs him. That's a fact. And uh, I'll add, and, and unrelated to that situation because those situations are different. But I remember when Carmelo hearing uh, when Carmelo Anthony came to the New York Knicks. Um, there were middlemen who communicated with him about his desire. And uh, one of them is an NBA Hall of Famer. <laughs> and the other one was Spike Lee. Ooh. Okay. So I, I think that sometimes I, I think that the Lakers are being under, underestimated as it, as it comes to their firepower and those relationships. Um, because, yeah, the Lakers can sell history. They have LeBron James on their side. Um, you know, I, I, if you've, Check out my column at Basketball Society Online. Uh, I, I will tell you, that as, as I kind of touched on it today, uh, that, you know, the Lakers have concerns about Kevin Durant's injury. And, you know, their focus is, or rather Kevin Durant is their top priority, uh, but their focus right now is both uh, Kawhi Leonard and, and Kyrie Irving. And, um, you know, I, I just think that it's going to be interesting this summer what the Lakers can do, particularly because Kawhi, from all accounts, uh, there was discussion between the Spurs and the Lakers about making it happen, and there was no dice. 
and Anthony Davis was a repeat of that. Was it just – and I know you talked about walking it down to the brain trust where Dell Demps was concerned. It's just an overall we're not trading with you because you're the Lakers or because they didn't like the front office? Combination of both. And what I'll tell you is when you look at the Los Angeles Lakers now, the difference between the Lakers now and maybe in February is Brandon Ingram's blood clots. Mm-hmm. That changed the trajectory as well. Uh, and then, you know, you, you look at the Knicks. Um, I can tell you that uh, the Knicks um, – Couple things. One in January, I think it was January fifteenth or January eighteenth. I had discussed a trade that the port, or excuse me, that the Dallas Mavericks and the Knicks uh, were discussing that involved uh, Frankie Nielakina, uh Courtney Lee, uh, as well as uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. going to the Dallas Mavericks um, in exchange for uh, Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, and you know that was a trade that was discussed wow. and ended up happening. I believe the twenty eighth of of uh, January and. What changed in that aspect was Porzingis. I didn't have any intel on Porzingis because that trade was literally commenced right after Porzingis met with the with the Knicks and requested a trade. So I was off on the Porzingis part because I didn't I didn't have that intel and I just began discussing that trade mm-hmm. when Dennis Smith had gotten into it with Rick Carlisle in Dallas. Uh, my source had shared with me just that that intimated that conversation that they had. But what I can share with you is um, another trade that the that the Knicks had discussed. Uh, was a framework of Mitchell Robinson, uh, Kevin Knox, uh, and Alonzo Trier uh, in exchange for um, Anthony Davis. Oh. And so now you're seeing Ian Bagley and others like uh, Sham Sharania discussing that trade now. But that was something that was discussed. A lot of these trades that you're hearing discussed now was stuff that was being discussed before the trade deadline. And so when you look at the Lakers, the Lakers are going to try to revisit that same trade. But now Brandon Ingram is damaged goods. Um, and, and another trade that I discussed that Chris Broussard actually talked about days ago uh, was a potential trade that would send Jared Allen, D'Angelo Russell, who was a restricted free agent, and others uh, to the Pelicans in exchange for Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis would come um, if Kyrie Irving comes with him. And I can share with you, Kyrie Irving does have an interest in playing with Anthony Davis. Okay. I was more on the side of the Boston Celtics from the league sources who shared that with me. But um, you know, the Nets are a viable option. The Denver Nuggets are another team, you know, who, who reached out to um, the Pelicans at the NBA's trade deadline uh, for Michael Porter Jr. And a, and a bunch of other pieces as well. So, again, a lot of these trades that you're hearing now that are coming out from from guys that I respect, Shams, Ian Begley, Chris Broussard, and, and Andrew Wojnarowski, are trades that are being revisited from, you know, January and February. Speaking of Kyrie Irving, he had a very – I would call it a very weird year up in Boston – I particularly, I'm not the biggest fan of him. I respect his shot-creating ability and the fact that he hit the game-winning shot in an NBA Finals game, but I'm not too sold on tossing the bag, but you're going to have to. In terms of his potential movements this year, people have been linking him to the Knicks. Is that an actual thing, or could it be a mixed bag? To him going to the Knicks? Yes. Um, I've spoken to people who have said Kyrie doesn't want to play for the Knicks. Okay. Um, and again, these are not um, indictments. People have the right to change their mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think that the relationship that both Kyrie and Kevin Durant have, where people think that Kyrie and KD were just sitting around, just geeking about, let's play for the Knicks during All Star Weekend. I, I think that's a bit far fetched. I was actually with Kate with KD and Kyrie uh, at that Jordan party, and we we sat around and talked for about a half an hour about a myriad of things, and and I and I and those two guys have um, the utmost respect for one another, and um, you know it was just about basketball. They were just being silly the whole time <laughs> we were like where we were, and um, I think I think they're trolling y'all, but I also think that. <laughs> I also think that um, the relationship that Kyrie Irving and and KD have is so much bigger than what y'all see, hint, hint. And you'll be seeing that in the coming months. (laughs) Oh, and you know I can't ask either because that's... You can ask. But the answer's going to be to wait until July. There are some things, there are some red tape there that I, I, I... have been respectful and um, honoring the wishes of people, but there will be some things you'll be seeing in the summertime. And uh, 
That's what I say. Say no more. Speaking of the summertime, the Knicks did not get the number one pick, and everyone cried. I did not cry. I mentally threw things. Um, number three pick is not the worst thing in the world. It's not Zion. Is that pick actually going to stay in New York? I think if the Knicks draft R.J. Barrett, I can see him being the rookie of the year. Um, I think that R.J. Barrett is one of the most polished guys that are in the NBA draft right now uh, because he comes from good stock. I mean, he's been a professional since he was 15 years old playing in, in Canadian uh, basketball, um, his, his godfather being uh, Steve Nash, um, his dad being a professional, uh, playing at Duke. I think uh, if, if, if Zion Williamson wasn't at Duke this year, uh, we'd be talking about R.J. Barrett the same way. I think another guy that gets you know swept under a rug is Cam Reddish. Uh, that's that's you know I, I think any team that gets him, I, if Cleveland's smart, they try to get him at fifth. Uh, but when you look at our, the Knicks and what they're capable of doing, um, if they're smart, I get RJ. But at the same time, I think um, unless they can get a guarantee that they'll they'll get Anthony Davis by trading that third pick if Alonzo Trier. Um, I think they should hold tight because I actually do think that the Nets' package is better than the Knicks's. I'm not surprised. Yeah. I mean, the, the the Nets in general, I believe, are way better built than the Knicks. And I think what they did this year proves, almost like the Clippers, that you can be a city's quote-unquote second team and outperform pretty much anybody. I think there's a shield that the Nets have that the Knicks don't. The Knicks are very corporate. The Nets are at least cool. Mm. Cooler, I'll say. Um, in the sense of, you know, the Nets to me sell hip hop. I mean, Jay Z built the Barclays Center. Well, well the, not all the way, there, but you, <laughs> you know what I mean. He was. He, he's he was, got banners in the Barclays Center. He was. Like, he was. The, he used his image and his likeness in the face of him to become the face of a franchise early on, opening in Barclays Center. And I'm a Jay fan, so you know. But at, but and at, dropping it in on that Watch the Throne album, mm-hmm. moving the Nets, BK. So I mean, or when you go to Nets games and you hear Brooklyn, I need you to scream. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that, you know, it's cool. But um, no, nah, I mean, the, the, the Nets to me, there there's a level of protection that they have, um, and I think you know Kyrie Irving is, is 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 a you know we we talked about you know him and you know Anthony Davis and possibilities there. Um, <laughs> I'll say that you know he's a native of West Orange, New Jersey. He grew up watching Jason Kidd, um, and you know when Jason was hired as the head coach of the Nets in 2013, he told me it was a, pr- a privilege and an honor. You know, to watch, to, to watch him play. You know, he grew up going to the Continental Airlines Arena, Izod Center, and, you know, uh, watching Richard Jefferson, Kenyon Martin, uh, Jason Kidd, you know, do their thing. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, the Nets, you know, many people talk about the Lakers. There's pressure playing at home, though. You know, let's, let's, let's not pretend. Like, you know, there's pressure. You know, he, Kyrie split time between New York and New Jersey. Um, mm-hmm. His dad's from the South Bronx. His godfather is um, Ross Strickland. Um, and at the same time, you know, um, there's pressure of being home. You got to fulfill people's ticket requests. You got to be here. You got to be there. Um, Boston is 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 a is is a is an Amtrak ride a little further north. You know, even L.A. is a plane ride away. Uh, and I think another team that gets lost in the translation legitimately is the Phoenix Suns. Ooh. Even even though they've changed coaches, was it the second straight year that they've changed? Coaches? Yeah, but you got Monty Williams. Monty Williams to me was on his way up the trajectory before that car crash that killed his family um, back in I think 2015, and then he you know he kind of fell back and you know became an assistant coach with the Philadelphia 76ers, and you know people knew he was gonna he was gonna take that time that he needed and then work his way back up into the coaching ranks. But I think Phoenix is a team that a lot of people uh, are sleeping on, and there's not a lot of pressure on uh, Kyrie Irving if he goes to Phoenix. You know, it kind of like when Jason Kidd ended up going to uh, Milwaukee. Uh, at first, there was no pressure for him to win right away. Come 2014, but you know, come 2019, we talking championships now. Exactly. So it's it's. I think Phoenix is in a situation where there's no pressure, um, and you know, that's a team you should be paying attention to. So as if if you call yourself a seasoned basketball fan, and you are. You might almost be waiting for the season to be over if you're assuming that the Warriors are just going to take the chip. 
what are two or three things worth paying attention to? In the offseason? In the offseason. Um, where KD is going mm-hmm. will dictate where everybody else is going. And I think you kind of saw that last summer with LeBron. Um, I think where LeBron went and where Boogie Cousins went dictated what everybody else was doing. Because remember, everybody was crying about Boogie. I think LeBron's impact was more important than Boogie's, and Boogie's still going to probably, or it's possible, I won't say probably, it's possible he can win a ring and raise his value. Um, So that's one. Um, uh, KD is one. Two, um, I'll say this is two and two A. What the Brooklyn Nets are going to do and what the Chicago Bulls are going to do. Because I see a situation in the draft where both teams could make some draft day splash that will set the tone for July 1st. And um, Chicago has a young team that they're like a point guard away. You know, as much as, you know, I know Orlando was interested in and in, in, uh, Lonzo Ball heavily. Um and also Chicago, the Chicago Bulls have been interested in him. And when you look at the Chicago Bulls, um, you know, you have Larry Marketing, you have Wendell Carter Jr. Um, yeah, Zach Levine. You have Zach Levine and more, um, which they'll be guest starring on Scoopy Radio uh, yeah. after the NBA Finals. But um, you will start to see um, Chicago making some moves at the because at the, at the, I think they're seventh. In the draft, I think the Chicago Bulls are going to be heavy players come draft time in the offseason. Um, but, you know, I, I think, you know, the, what happens with Lonzo Ball will be a domino effect. Uh, could he go to the Bulls? Um, you know, there's there's been talk that D'Angelo Russell could go to the Orlando Magic. I think Orlando was a point guard away from, you know, making something, you know, plausible um, and, and make something legitimately happen. So, I really do think, to answer your question, where KD goes will, will be the domino effect, and also what the Brooklyn Nets and the Chicago Bulls do in the offseason will have a residual effect, draft time, all the way up to NBA free agency. So, to wrap up at least my season, because it was really a pleasure to do this every two weeks, thank you all for listening. We know that this man has a plethora of stuff to kick off this month. Tell the people where they can find you and, and what's next on the pipeline for you. Um, so first and foremost, make sure to subscribe. Or rather, first of all, uh, follow me on Twitter at Scoop B. That's S-C-O-O-P, letter B. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram and Snapchat at Scoop underscore B. And please also make sure to subscribe to the Scoopy Radio podcast. Uh, it's available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn app, Stitch app, or simply by visiting ScoopBRadio.com. We've had anybody from uh, Charles Barkley, Kenny Jet Smith, Jamal Crawford, um, my boy Tim Thomas, <laughs> no uh, and also you know people like Susan Bennett, the voice of Siri, DJ Khaled, Mark Cuban, and more. So you know, Scoopy Radio is really a time capsule. Uh, started in a in a in a Timberlands shoebox, and then it's it's prime time. It's been mentioned on places like CBS, uh, CBS, um, Complex, Bleacher Report, New York uh, Daily News, or New York Post, and more. So. Uh, just continue to support uh, and, and pay attention to a lot of things that are going to be happening during the summer. Also got to mention uh, Zenny Optical. I'm a proud wearer of Zenny Optical. They're also the sponsor of the Chicago Bulls. Um, I don't wear glasses. <laughs> no, I don't. Wait, seriously? So these are not prescription glasses I'm wearing. I'm so jealous right now because I'm blind. Zenny <laughs> Optical. Uh, I actually wear them uh, for style. Uh, and because when I was on, when I was grinding, I don't sleep a lot. So I use these glasses as a detractor, uh, from the bags under my eyes. I see. And, uh, Zenny Optical, the reason why I actually do wear them is because I like their, their protection from blue rays. You know, I'm on a computer, I'm on the phone, uh, I'm looking at the phone. I'm, I'm, you know, in all these different climates, even on a plane, you want to protect your eyes. So I use them for those purposes and not just because they pay me to wear the glasses, but actually <laughs> because I actually, I remember going to the mall and just wearing, buying the $5 glasses, nerd glasses at the stand. And, you know, it's been a part of my trademark. Like I actually have my name etched, my nickname etched on them. 
So no, so I mean, at the end of the day, you know, Zenny Opticoolers has definitely been a, a, a the past year has been a part of my lifestyle, and you know, I'm like the liaison or the connector between you know the Bulls and the Glasses Company, and you know, you'll be seeing a lot of my content um, coming in the summer uh, with Zenny Optical uh, branded stuff. So it'll be interesting to uh, for you guys to check that out. You gotta check it out. It'll be on ScoopyRadio.com. Perfect, perfect. Ah, wow, wow. What a journey, what a year, what a what a time. Um, for my follow-up, for my ending or not, you can follow me on Twitter at and underscore A-S-O-N-Y-E. The podcast and all of the archives will be available on Anchor, on Spotify, and on Apple Podcasts. It's it's really been a ride. It has really been a ride. Scoop, thank you for coming in. Thank you for taking the time out. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me, my brother. That's a fact. That's a fact. To everyone who's followed along for this season, there is a season three. I will give you more details because I got a couple things in the works, too. But more on that when the time comes. Remember, on Twitter, and underscore A-S-O-N-Y-E, that's also the same for the Instagram. Take care. Be good. Season three will come next year. Have a great one. And enjoy the summer. Please stay out of trouble.